Grab your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. Today is the last sermon from the series we've been preaching about the nine ways we follow Jesus. It's, in a nutshell, it's a discipleship series. We're trying to say at Carterville that we know, we know that we are in a very religious part of the world. We're in the Bible Belt, for crying out loud. But we want to be real disciples of Jesus, and we recognize that if we're not careful, we'll just become modern-day Pharisees. We'll go to church, we'll be very religious, we'll have some rituals and routines, we'll have some lists of things that we don't do, we'll have some lists of things that we certainly make sure that we are going to do, but we're not following Jesus, we're just following church. And this nine ways to follow Jesus helps us check. We read through the Gospels and we found nine things that seemed to be distinctive of what Jesus taught his disciples that set them apart from the Pharisees and the other religious people in the Gospels who were not doing what God wanted them to do. So the nine ways to follow Jesus, these nine metrics, these nine ways to evaluate, are we where we want to be in Christ? And today's the last. I would be interested to hear over the next few days if any of these sermons just resonated with you or how you're growing in this. I pray that the series would bear some fruit. But today is the last one. And this ninth way that we follow Jesus is that we, are you ready? We make disciples. This is a sermon about making disciples. And I know this seems almost redundant. Like, are you serious? Why are we putting that up there? I'm putting it up there because from everything that I read, way over 90% of believers have never led one person to Christ and have never discipled anybody, never walked with another human being to watch them become more like Jesus in an intentional way. So if way over 90% of the church has never shared the gospel and issued a response, never led one person to Christ, well then surely we're just limping our way through the Great Commission. But it turns out that when Jesus started his ministry and when he finished it, he was super clear that his goal was not to make churchy people. It was to fill the world with disciples of Jesus, people who looked like him, acted like him. So a disciple who doesn't make disciples, we're not doing what Jesus taught his people to do. So today I want the whole church to just be willing to say, all right, God, I'm willing to start from scratch. I've been following you for 30 years and I've never made a disciple, but if you'll let me make one this year, I'm game. Let's read Matthew chapter 4 as we begin our sermon. This is going to be the moment that some of the disciples were called to follow Jesus. From the very beginning, they were called to make disciples. Here we go, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Follow, follow him into what? Follow him for, for what reason? Listen, for the next couple of years of their life, they're going to watch demons cast out. They're going to see hungry people fed miraculously with loaves and fish. 
They're going to see Jesus calm storms and walk on water. They're going to watch him raise the dead. They're literally going to stand in the middle of the kingdom of heaven as it's happening. They're going to see what new creation will look like and feel like when Christ comes back to govern it. For the next couple of years, they're going to watch and hear the most wonderful things. But it wasn't just so that they could have two years of their life that were amazing. No, 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 no. no, no. They're following Jesus so that they can make more disciples. The most complete picture of God's vision is that the world will become filled with sisters and brothers that are making disciples so that more people are comforted when they're grieving, more people are healed when they're sick, more people will have brothers and sisters to pray as the demons are leaving, more people would stand and watch the kingdom take a foothold here as we multiply disciples on the earth. Lucas is going to help me. Lucas, go grab your stuff. Now, here's the thing. As we think about this sermon passage, we read about Jesus in this boat. We see the day that their journey began with Jesus. He said, I'm going to send you out to fish for men. Well, the day that it finishes, the day that it ends after the resurrection, thanks a lot, Lucas. I appreciate your help, sir. After the resurrection of Christ, when he's telling the disciples what to do in the Great Commission, he tells them, I want you to go make disciples of all nations. In the book of Matthew, Discipleship begins literally and ends with the command to go find people and help them follow Jesus, to make disciples. We learn from the Great Commission that making the disciples has two steps. Very simple. First, we lead people to salvation and baptism into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Second, we start to teach them to obey everything Jesus taught us. That's it. A life that looks like Jesus. So Jesus tells these guys, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I don't know if you like to fish. I'm curious. I love to fish. Who else besides me? Who likes to fish? Let me see who my people are. Thank you very much. Well, the first thing I want to say is we kind of get kicked off in this sermon. I'm going to let you take notes today. I got, I got four points for you to write down. But before we get there, uh, I just want to introduce you to Cannon's Fishing Gear. This is, uh, I pulled this out of uh, our fishing closet today. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but uh, Cannon has a very unusual lure on the end of this. Can you tell that it's a stuffed red mouse? So Cannon is, your rod's hung up, bud. Cannon is not fishing for fish. Cannon is fishing for cats. Cannon loves his cats, and so he'll, he'll, put, it, he'll put this out for his cat and, like, tug it along, right? I've seen people, this is a terrible idea, I've seen people do the same thing with, like, a black rubber snake to scare their mother, and so all the mothers of our church, uh, happy Mother's Day. You could be scared by that. But anyway, Cannon is fishing for cats. I got to thinking about it. If you're honest, all of us are really, we're fishing for something. Like all of us are spending our time trying to catch something. Maybe you're trying to catch the almighty dollar or a last chance at fame and fortune or just some prestige around the office or some records in the high school locker room. Maybe you're fishing for a relationship that would fix it all. We're all out there right now with our cork in the water trying to catch something that will give us some meaning. Turns out that Jesus was pretty clear that he wants us to be fishing for people. To spend the rest of our lives caring most about helping other human beings connect with Jesus in a way that changes their lives for the rest of their lives. So as we dive off into this, I have four things I want you to see. First thing I want you to see is that making disciples, it was always part of the plan. You know, in fact, I don't even think it was part of the plan. I kind of think it was the whole plan, right? I mean, there's a reason that Jesus tells Peter in the beginning, you're going to be a fisher of men. 
there's a reason that he ends the gospel with the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations. Like In the gospels, there is nothing bigger, nothing better, nothing bolder, nothing brighter than making disciples. That's it. So here's my question. Like if this is the plan, why don't we do it? I recognize that in the modern age, as a church, and this is kind of all of us, this is me, this is you, this is us, right? It's become easy for us to sort of, I don't know, I guess contract this out to the pastor or the church. To sort of say, oh yeah, we'll make disciples, we'll be church. And if you come to church and go to Sunday school, chances are good you'll grow more like Jesus. We'll, we'll make sure that we have church. And if you hear the gospel there and feel convicted, you might get saved. We'll watch you get baptized. I'll stand when you do. That's not bad. It's just different. It's not the plan. The plan was that we gather in here to feel the power of God, to worship God, to, to be a body. Yes, yes. But when we scatter every Sunday, we're still making disciples. It's not something you contract out. It's something we leverage our homes and our jobs and our energy to do. It's something we talk about. It's something we want to see happen. It's something we're praying about. So not to create like the ultimate guilt trip. But gang, are we doing that? Like who are we discipling right now? Or, or look, look, if you're not discipling anybody, fine. I'm not going to beat anybody up. I don't want to make you feel terrible. So let's just do this. Are you willing? Like, are you willing just to sit before the Lord today and say, God, show me. You show me who's ready, and, and I'm your person. I'll carve out time. I'll make the effort. I'll be intentional. Are you willing? Are you willing today just to start making a list? Because if you are, we've got a few things for you. So Jesus meets these people who were fishermen. And in a way, you could say he interrupted their lives. You're like, he, he ruined that fishing trip in a way. If you read Luke's gospel, you find out that uh, they actually had a miraculous catch of fish. They were sinking boats, baby. But that's their last trip. He says, I want you to leave these boats and follow me. And they do. They, they leave their family. They leave their nets. And for the next couple of years, they follow Jesus from town to town, from town to town to a cross. And an empty tomb. And into a world they never could have imagined. So if you're going to fish for men, it might become inconvenient by your standards right now. If you're just evaluating that day fishing by the boat, like it doesn't seem productive in the beginning. This is not what I had planned. If you're like a, a really well-planned person, you're looking at Jesus going, no, 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 we cleaned the nets, we fished all night, we didn't catch anything. This is Luke chapter 5, right? We, there's no reason for us to fish again. You're messing up my plan. I promise you, if you'll agree to go with Jesus on this disciple-making journey, it's not going to mess up your life. It's going to give you a life. Right? I promise it will change it. It'll turn it inside out. It'll be really, really different. But it's not worse. It's just way better. Way better in a way you can't even imagine or see right now. Right, now, here's the second thing, okay? And I need to warn our church about this because I love you, and I don't want us to make a mess, all right? So I'm warning you, okay? If you're going to go make disciples, Everybody lean in and hear this. Please, 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 don't make Pharisees. Like, it's easy to accidentally make the wrong kind of disciple. I'm not just asking you to make churchy people. I'm not, I'm not asking you to make, like, rule followers. I'm asking you, please don't make Pharisees. I'm asking you to make people who look like Jesus. And I want to I show you 
what I'm talking about here. So turn your Bibles from chapter 4 all the way to Matthew 23. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 23. One of the sharpest passages in the Bible. Jesus is a little bit stern. Sorry about that. I use my hands way too much. Jesus is a little bit stern here as he's preaching against the Pharisees. But in Matthew chapter 23, he preaches these like woes against the Pharisees, which basically they're very, very religious people like me. They're kind of pastors. And Jesus is telling them that they are ruining the kingdom of heaven. And so for me, that's a big wake-up call. Like that, I'm opening my eyes. I'm trying to pay attention. I don't want to be that religious person. But everybody in the room, everybody in the room, knows people who have been hurt really badly by well-intended religious people who were not acting like Jesus but were acting like Pharisees. So I'm asking you, don't make more Pharisees. The world's already full of them. We don't need any more judgmental religious hypocrites. Let me show you Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, this is what he says. Pretty sharp. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with you. That's a pretty strong sermon. Uh, Does anybody on the fence about what Jesus thinks about the Pharisees right now? Anybody surprised that they weren't big fans? I mean, a couple of these guys were in there early in the morning so they could get in line and say, crucify him, right? Here's what you learn from this passage. The Pharisees were making disciples too. Like they were crossing the sea when they heard about somebody that might get saved. Like they had missionaries, I guess, right? So what's crazy about this passage to me is that the Pharisees, they're also making disciples. Jesus just does not like what's coming out when they're done. The people that are, they're making disciples of, they're like very legalistic. They're hypocrites, right? They're following all the rules But if you read Matthew chapter 23, the whole chapter, you'll find a list of stuff that Jesus is not proud of. So I'm asking you to go make disciples, but don't confuse disciples of Jesus with churchy religious people. I'm not asking you to go out there and try to force people to change bad habits into good ones, to come to church more often, to try harder to look like somebody they're not. No, no, no. I'm asking you to lead people to a genuine encounter with Jesus where they can be changed, not by you, not by church, not by me, not by rules, but changed by Jesus. Change you from the inside. And then they would begin to grow in Christ. And I'm asking you to walk with them through that to show them what it looks like, which does mean that you need to be legitimately saved to begin with so that you're not constantly being that same hypocrite. But I don't want you to make Pharisees. Third thing I want you to see, I want you to know this. This is basic, right? But disciples of Jesus look like Jesus. When Jesus told the disciples to go make fishers of men, to come out of that boat and come after me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Like, what do you do when you catch them, right? Like, if you thought, like, I'm Peter, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go catch some men. I'm going to go find some guys. But if I'm also Peter, and this is the intimidating part for a lot of church people, I'm going to turn over my shoulder to Jesus and say, this guy wants to be saved. What now? I remember when we started our Thursday night evangelism, and I'm the preacher, right? We started our Thursday night evangelism years ago. I miss Larry Rawson so much. Edith, I can't imagine how much you miss him. What a blessed guy. I love that man. 
when we went out for our first Thursday nights, you know, we're doing like front porch evangelism, knocking on the door. Hey, just I'm here from Carterville Baptist Church. I want to talk to you about Jesus. You know, and you, you do that for a couple of nights, and nobody, nobody's like giving their life to Christ. We had some very meaningful prayer times. But I remember for me, I just kind of, I just got in this rut. I was like, oh, okay, I know what they're going to say. I remember distinctively, I was a couple of blocks behind Petal Harvey uh, Baptist Church on, on a street that just kind of runs right back from the church. And I knocked on the door. A guy came out. I went to my whole spill, Dr. Charles Sauls, and I think Gwen Perkins were my, were my team partners at that time. And so I'm sitting on the porch, and I'm just waiting on this guy to say, thanks, I'll think about it, and me to go, well, thank you, sir. And the guy says, yeah, okay, I'm ready for that. Like, ready to give your life to Christ? Yeah, what do I do? And it's like, for me, I had to stop and think a minute. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. hold on a minute. He's <laughs> like, oh, never mind. I know what you do. Are you ready to give control of your life to Christ? Well, good, man, pray this with me, and let's, let's follow the Lord to baptism. It's almost like I just kind of thought, well, what do I do if he says yes? What do you do if he says yes? Well, you start paying attention just like Jesus did. There's no like big class you have to take people through, although there's plenty of great material out there. You start to invite them into your world and walk with Jesus with them and teach them what he's taught you and listen to Christ on their behalf and walk with them as they go. So I remember fishing in Wahalik, Mississippi. You think Sugarlock, Mississippi is small? You should go to Wahalik sometime. My granddad had a camp house in Wahalik, and there was a lake. And it was overgrown with cypress knees and weeds, and there were some big bass in it, also some alligators in that lake. And I remember going fishing one day with my dad, and dad and I were out there, and I was using what is to this day probably my favorite bait. It's a devil's horse. Do you know what a devil's horse is, my fishermen friends? It's just a long topwater bait with three of the sharpest hooks that you've ever had near your fingers, and they will catch you. But I love it because you throw it and it sits on top of the water and as you jerk it, it splashes. And if a fish hits it, the water just blows up in the air. It is so much fun to fish with a devil's horse if it's a topwater day. You know what I'm saying? Well, on this day, it was not a topwater day. Their fish weren't biting. And we got a little bored. And idle hands are the devil's workshop. And so as Dad and I were fishing, I looked over and I saw a copperhead, I mean a water moccasin, laid on the edge of the, of the bank under a cypress tree. And the way that that water moccasin was laid in the water, he had his head stuff up kind of by the bank. And then he just kind of, you know, had his like part of his, part of his body came out and then he went under. And part of it came out and went under. I thought, I wonder if I could hit that thing from here. I threw my, I threw my devil's horse and missed him, but he didn't move. So, well, I'll try again, yeah. Try it again. Reeled it by him, jerk. Sure enough, I snagged that water moxin right in the back. I had him on my devil's horse, and then all at once, in a moment of powerful clarity, it hit me. What do I do now? <laughs> if you want to know, I'll tell you after the sermon. But um, we did something. But disciples of Jesus look like Jesus. So what are you going to do if you catch one? Like if somebody says, yes, I'm interested in this Jesus that you're telling me about, what do you do? I don't want to read from you from Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I don't want you to know your goal is to shape them into the image of Jesus, not just church, not just rules, but Jesus. This is what the Bible says in Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Same thought. It's not going to be on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 14. This is what the Bible says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service, 
so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth in the wind. Our goal as a church and our goal with disciple making is to help people look like Jesus. Not like church people. Not like the generation before you or the generation you're in. Not like you. Like Jesus. And so when God gives you a disciple, when you lead somebody to baptism and salvation this year, and you ask God, what next? I want to ask you to help shape them into the image of Jesus. Like go back into your Bible. Go back to your prayer closet and beg Jesus to teach you how to do this. Like, what does it look like to help this person show those nine ways that we follow Jesus? What does it look like to help them start their journey ready to make another disciple from day one? Because guess when you have the most lost friends at any one point in your life? When you first get saved. Like, who knows what God will do through these disciples that you're going to make? But this is the plan. Last thing I want you to know. Don't fish alone. And let me tell you what I mean. It is uh, fun to fish, and I, I love to fish, I've told you that. But it's best if you have a fishing buddy. You have a fishing buddy, raise your hand if you've got a fishing buddy. If you've got a partner that you love to fish with, yeah, you do. Well, when you're fishing for men, it's very important for you to make sure that you never go fishing without Jesus. Like, seriously. If you're going to see some woman give her life to Christ, some man give his life to Christ, if you're going to watch somebody in 8th grade, ninth grade, somebody on a football team, if you're, going to, if you're going to lead somebody from show choir to Jesus, and you're thinking, I can't do this, you're right, you can't. He does all that. Like Your job is just to keep, you know, put, keep putting baits on the hook. Like, he does all the hard work. He does all the spiritual change. He does all the inside stuff. You're there just to keep guiding. You're the interface. You're the one that keeps bringing them to him. You're the one that keeps showing them where he is. You're the one that keeps telling them what he did in you. You're the one that pays attention and tries to track it and tries to help it and tries to lead it. But he's the one that does all the work. Don't fish without Jesus. Let me show you something, all right? Um, I'm reading out of the NIV Bible today. I hope you're reading out of a, I don't care what Bible you're reading out of as long as it's a good one and you're reading it all the time. But there's something I want to point out in the NIV today. Um, there's every once in a while I come across a passage where I look up and say, I wish they hadn't said it like that. I wish they hadn't said it like this. If you look with me in verse 19, Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And, and it's, it's true. That's very, very true for what he's doing. He's sending them out to make disciples. But that's not exactly the language, right? There's a Greek word under here. So if you're like in, in seminary, a couple of you are. Landon Adams working on his dissertation today. So if you're in seminary, if you went to William Carey and got a Bible degree, you know, you may be interested. So if you will, Carter, would you put the, uh, would you put the next slide up for me, please, sir? Poiso. That doesn't mean anything to us, does it? Well, it means I will make. It's a Greek word, future tense, first person singular. So the way this should read is, follow me and I will make you into a fisherman of people. That's the literal translation of the Greek. 
I will make you into a fisherman of people. But what I want to emphasize here is the I will make part. I'm not asking you to be a better religious person and try harder. I'm asking you to let Jesus do something supernaturally through you. That you'll let him change you first. I will make you a fisherman for people. Because for some of us it may be that you're so distracted by your worldliness or your pursuits for fame or money or prestige or whatever. Or just you've gotten too busy. I don't know. You're going to have to let Jesus supernaturally make you into a fisher, fisherman of people. He's going to work. He's going to have to work. For some of you, like you just don't love people right now. You love your hobbies more than people. And for God to have you love people enough to stop and try to invest in their lives, it's going to take a work of Jesus. But the good news is, I will make you, right? For some of you, you're scared to death. You're terrified to think about bringing up religion with a friend. How are you ever going to be able to ask somebody about you? Don't worry. I will make you. You follow. If you follow Jesus, he can make you into a fisherman of people. For some of you, you look up and you say, Ben, I'm embarrassed to say this out loud, but man, I'm, I'm 68 years old and I haven't done this and I'm kind of embarrassed to start over now. I don't know where to start. Don't worry about it. You keep following Jesus right up to that last day and he will make you. I mean, you'll see a baptism before you go to meet the Lord. A baptism that you, that you led somebody to. Listen, nothing matters more in the world to me than people being connected to Jesus. To have salvation, to have hope, to have peace, to have their lives changed. And this is the real work of the church. But it starts right here. So don't fish without your buddy. You're not having to do this out of the creativity on your mind. What am I going to teach them? What am I going to show? Don't worry about it. Let Jesus make you into a fisherman of people. So here's the follow-up questions for the sermon. Ready? Are you a disciple? Do you measure up to the nine ways? Are you working this? Are you, are you following Christ? Are you a disciple? If you're not, why don't you get that right today? Why don't you give your life to Jesus in just a minute? Second question. This is really practical. Are you making disciples? Can you name one person in the last five years that you've led to salvation and to growth in Christ? Are you... All right, fine. I kind of expect that most of us are going, <clears throat> that's okay, that's okay. Last question, will you start? Like, would you have a family meeting today to say, hey, gang, I don't even know how to start this, but let's make a list. Who are the people we're going to start praying for and praying about? And if God wants to use us in their life, we'll, we'll, we'll go. Hey, hey, everybody, when you leave today, keep your eyes open in case there's somebody that we need to disciple. Keep your eyes open in case God puts somebody on your radar. What, what if the 6th graders in our church, what if the 11th graders in our church knew they had permission to come home one day and say, Mom, Dad, listen, I need to change our family rhythm for a minute. I got this buddy at school, and I think he's interested in Jesus. Can you guys help me? And suddenly, I mean, our, the next couple months of our family's rhythm just changed, right? Who's going to be over for spend the nights where we're going to be? Like, who's coming over for Sunday lunch next week? Everything can change. But what if we, like, collectively leverage our homes and our energy, our Sunday school class, our families, not just, not just for church services, but to make disciples intentionally? Will you start? Will you start? Who's in, your, who's in your hobby circle 
who plays disc golf with you or, or who fishes with you or who just finished show choir season with you? Who's in indoor percussion with you? Who's trying to survive middle school with you? Good luck to all y'all. But who are your people? I want to invite Chris and the praise team to join me. And I want to invite you to just respond with me. Church family, are you ready to make disciples? Because the step for today would be that you and I would look up and say, yes, I am. The thing for today would be that you and I, if you're not saved, that you would give your life to Jesus, no matter your age, no matter if you feel a little weird, that you would today give control of your life to Christ and start following so that he can make you into a person who fishes for people. But if you're, if you're already saved, if you're a believer, and this is just an area of your life that you've let slide, well, then I want to ask you that today you would let Jesus make you into the fisherman. So if you're willing to say yes to Jesus, if you're willing to say to Jesus, I'm leaving the boat, I'm leaving the nets, I'm leaving Zebedee, and I want you to change me. I want you to make me into that kind of person. I read about what you did with Peter. Some of those two years were ugly. Sign me up. I want the same journey. I want to care about people when this is over. Do it. Make me into a fisherman. Start now. Please let me bring people to Christ. If that's you today, you just say yes. You can say yes at this altar in prayer. You can say yes in your pew as you turn to your spouse. You can say yes today, but just say yes. Father, I ask your grace over us as a church that we love you well and we love our friends well, that we would reach out and care about connecting them to you in a way that could bless them forever. I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.